Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Zoopcast. In today's episode, episode five, we are very pleased to be joined by our first ever special guest, 2021 Senator seventh round pick and current slash future Hamilton Bulldog Chandler Romeo. So we will get right into that. Adam will be conducting that interview. And trust me, guys, it's a good one. Stay tuned. And we'll be right back with the rest of the pod shortly after. Peace. Alrighty, guys, welcome back to the Zoopcast. I am super excited and pleased to be joined by Ottawa Senators draft pick Chandler Romeo. Chandler, thank you so much for coming on. How's it going? Hey, Adam. Uh, thank you for having me on. I'm doing well. Thank you. All right, so we'll just get started right away here. This was uh, the second year in a row where the draft was virtual, um, obviously. No chance to be there in person. So can you just walk people through what that experience is like, you're maybe like you're sitting at home with your family if you're in communication with your agent or, or even from the team itself, how did the whole process kind of roll out? Yeah, so uh, leading up to the draft, I was doing uh, interviews with teams, but it was all through Zoom, right? With no yeah. uh, NHL combine or anything, everything was on Zoom or sometimes even just over the phone. And then uh, just in talks with my agent leading into the draft and then on draft day, it was just uh, almost a regular day. I just, I was sitting at my TV, my family, we were all watching the whole draft and um, yeah, it was just an, an exciting time. Funny to have it happen in my living room. You know, it's not the way I played it growing up, but um, definitely exciting. Yeah. So was there a point where you knew that it was going to be Ottawa, obviously when they picked you, but maybe did you have like a really good interview with them or, or did you get, you know, a call from, from someone from the organization right before you were picked? So I'd say my best interview was probably with Ottawa. Ottawa and another team were two of my best interviews. So um, I was feeling confident in uh, in Ottawa and a couple other teams in the draft and then um, kind of assumed that if I was still around there, like where I got picked, that one of those two teams would take me. So, um, yeah, I had I had a good feeling of, about Ottawa. And when Ottawa was picking, I was, um, you know, hoping that would be me. So I was just uh, I was pretty excited. That sounds good. So obviously, so you're drafted to the Sens here. You I was looking at your, your Instagram a little bit earlier today. You seem to have a little bit of a mini stint with the Ottawa junior senators. Uh, so, you know, aside from that, do you know a lot about the city, a lot about the organization or is it uh, relatively new to you? Uh, it's relatively new. I've been there a few times. I was there for about five weeks uh, at the beginning of this year. That was uh, to play with the junior A team up there just in preparation to get some games in for hopefully a, a shortened OHL season, but that never ended up happening. So uh, I did spend about five weeks up there. So I was, um, I was touring around a bit, just acting like a tourist, but uh, yeah, you know, it seems like a great city. And I was actually up there last weekend. Ottawa had me up just to uh, kind of meet everybody, right. run through the facilities, get my equipment stuff like that. So that was nice. So while you were here, did you find any cool spots that you might like to check out a little more when you're, when you're around for longer? Um, not really, honestly, I was in Canada most of the time. I didn't okay. even head down this weekend. So uh, no, nothing this time. Well, I'm, I'm sure you'll find stuff in due time. Um, but sure. you touched on you touched on the fact that you played um, for five weeks with the uh, with the junior A team here. Um, it was a really weird season for a, a lot of obviously all the players that were in the draft. Can you maybe talk a bit about 
what it was like, the uncertainty of, you know, not being able to play and the, you know, the OHL season getting pushed back and pushed back and then not happening. And obviously you were at the, uh, the showcase at Erie. Um, so maybe you could talk a bit about what, what that was like, uh, all the players who put that together. Yeah. So, I mean, it's been a really long year. Um, you know, I think back to last season when they had first announced um, December 1st start date for the OHL, which is about two months delayed, but we we're still going to get a good amount of games in, right? So um, I was eager for that. And then as it kept going, they kept delaying it, delaying it, setting a new date. So it was just super frustrating, but um, I did my best to try and stay on the ice and stay in the gym as much as I could through the lockdowns. But um, yeah, it was tough. And then as we got closer there, I went up to Ottawa, came back, OHL canceled the season so then I really wasn't feeling good about it all and um, just super stressed and then I had been notified through a few people that this uh, showcase was going on in Erie and when I found out kind of what the whole premise was and they were going to have scouts there and everything I kind of jumped at the opportunity so I uh, went down to Erie there the guys that organized that they did a fantastic job and um, they had like 30, 40 NHL scouts at every game. So I think it was well worth it to go down there. Uh, I got nine games in front of scouts. So yeah, that was, I guess, um, my season before the draft. Right. And I got, you know, was it a bit weird to kind of play in that so late in the year, obviously like, you know, people like yourself and other people who had maybe only played a couple of weeks of hockey throughout like seven or eight months. And you think people were maybe a little bit rusty and, and probably could have played a little better if there was more you know, hockey to be played before that, or was it just really good to get some games in? Oh, a hundred percent guys were rusty, especially <laughs> in those first few games. Uh, some guys hadn't skated much before it too, because we were in a lockdown in here in Ontario before we went. So um, that was tough, but um, yeah, just really weird season. Normally around that time, we're just finishing up a, a full season, right? And you're heading into your off season, taking a few weeks off before you get back at training. So it's just a weird timing, but um, I wouldn't change it. I uh, had tons of fun down there and it was definitely well worth it. Definitely. And do you think maybe those few weeks with the junior sends kind of helped you at least get a little bit prepared uh, for that Erie journey, maybe get a little bit of an upper hand over the other guys who maybe legitimately hadn't played um, in, you know, six or seven months? Yeah, um, those five weeks that I was there, it was nice just to be back in a, a team setting, right? Because I had been trading for, I think it was 14 months leading up until that. So it was just nice to be uh, on a team again and be in a team practice rather than just skills and drills or whatever. Did get a couple of games. They weren't like regular season games, but they were like scrimmage games. Right. But um, definitely better to get those game plays than, uh, than to not. So. And how did that process work? Did you, was it a situation where you contacted the junior senators or did they reach out to you or you know how did how did that whole thing work because obviously I'm sure they were trying to scramble to get some games in as well yeah so that was in uh, late February where I decided to do that so um, the OHL had been talking about doing a, like a really shortened 24 30 game season at that point like a bubble almost and uh, my agent thought it'd be a good idea that uh, I went up there and got some games in right in preparation for that so that was the initial plan it was supposed to be trying to get me ready for a, a shortened OHL season. But uh, yeah, it was actually, it was set up through my agent and um, Marty Dejeuner, the head coach and GM there. He was awesome. And me and my other buddy who uh, was playing for the Guelph Storm went up there, so. Nice, so it's really definitely good that you got some games in there for sure. Yeah. Um, we'll move Just on. Just <laughs> yeah. That's right, yeah. <laughs> it was almost like it was meant to be. Um, yeah. But uh, hopefully, I mean, it looks like there will be an OHL season next year. Um, obviously you're playing for the, the Hamilton Bulldogs. Do you have any, you know, plans or goals for next year with, with Hamilton? Do you want a certain, you know, a certain role that you'd like or, or 
certain statistics that you'd like to hit or do you, are you just happy to play hockey again? Um, definitely happy to play hockey again, but um, I'm just going to go in. I'm not as young as I was going to be stepping into the OHL. So uh, I don't want to waste any time getting my feet wet. I want to get in right away and, and start playing my game in the way I know how to play. So um, yeah, it will be nice to play again, but um, no specific statistics or anything. I just want to play my game and get comfortable right away and just uh, kind of let it fly from there. So. And you talk about playing your game, you know, a lot of Sens fans maybe, you know, since you were a later round pick, maybe don't know as much about you. You want to maybe talk about what kind of style you like to play and, and what Sens fans can expect uh, from you moving forward. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big rangy mobile defenseman, good skater for my size, uh, make a great first pass and just take pride in playing in my own zone. I'm hard to play against. And that's my goal every game is to just be the, uh, the hardest D for the other guys to play against every night. So. I'm sure you'll fit right in here. Um, I mean, obviously there was, you know, no games for you with Hamilton this year, but were you still able to uh, to kind of, you know, get to know the organization a little bit and, and work with the trainers and some of the staff there to maybe familiarize yourself and you'll fit a little bit in um, next year when you get into games? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I haven't played a full season there, but I feel like I've, I've been there for years. Um, I live pretty close to Hamilton, about 40 minutes. So when I was playing a junior as a 16 year old, I was going there to practice sometimes and uh, work out. And my trainer in the off season actually is our strength and conditioning coach in Hamilton, Justin Brooks. So um, yeah. And then during this year, up until I think December, we were having skates like three, four times a week for the local guys in Hamilton. So, I mean, it, it feels like I've been uh, kicking around there for a really long time. So it'll be nice to, uh, to jump in and start playing next year. For sure. And I guess we can move on to we talked a little bit about hockey, but you are a human and you have a personality and you may maybe talk about some of your non hockey hobbies. I was looking at your Instagram and you seem to have this kind of personal clothing brand uh, that you've linked in there. Maybe you could give that a little bit of a plug uh, on the podcast. Yeah, so that was actually a guy who creates logos. I think his, uh, his account is tagged there. He uh, brought me a logo, just DM me on Instagram and then asked me if I wanted to open up an athlete shop where he would set it all up and then I would just get like a percent of the profits. So uh, I jumped all over that. I think it's pretty cool. A lot of my family and friends bought some hoodies and shirts and stuff. So yeah, that's, that's kind of just something fun that I've been doing on the side lately. Um, my hobbies outside the rink. Um, I'm a big family guy. I like spending lots of time with my family, um, hang with my little cousins, going to my grandparents, just stuff like that. And uh, I've got a cottage up north in Muskoka area, so uh, I like going up there, ripping around on a sea dew, wake surfing sometimes, just just being outdoors. And are you from a big hockey family, or are you kind of the first one to lace up the skates and get it going? So nobody in my family actually played hockey until it was me and my brother. I have an older brother. He's a, he's a 2000 birth year. He played junior A, but he's done now, and he's going to school. But um, other than me and him, nobody in my, in my family or like extended family ever took hockey or hockey anywhere. So growing up then, was it, was it a bit of maybe like a bit of a culture shock for your parents trying to, you know, get to all the early morning practices and all the, all the equipment and stuff like that? Or do you think they settled into it pretty nicely? Well, I think my dad played uh, travel soccer growing up. So like okay. he knew what sports were like, but, um, hockey was definitely new for them, but it was nice to have an older brother because he kind of the learning curve for them was with him. And then for me, they, they just kind of knew what they were doing. So uh, it was, it was nice. Yeah. That's good. Um, so obviously you're drafted alongside of, you know, five and six other Ottawa senators picks. Have you had the chance to reach out to any of the other players who got picked by the Sens this year, or, or maybe, you know, say hi, introduce yourself, or has there not really been that much communication between the picks? Uh, a couple of guys, I think the, uh, the first and, 
third rounder. I, I DM'd on Instagram and um, just kind of went back and forth a little bit, just saying congrats. And then um, Ben Roger, who was actually at the Erie tournament, um, he texted me right away and said congrats. And we've been uh, we've been chatting back and forth ever since. So I think I'm actually going to go up uh, next week and skate with the uh, the Belleville Sens coach for a bit. And Ben Roger trains up there, so it'll be nice to meet him in uh, in person there. Yeah, absolutely nice to meet some of your future teammates. Um, yeah. And have you been able to reach out to anybody in the organization, any, any current players who've said congrats, or have you tried to kind of leave them to their business in the, in the summertime for training? Um, so I, right after I got picked, uh, Brady Kachuk sent a message on text. So uh, that was pretty nice to get. But then um, this past week when I was up in Ottawa, I met uh, Nick Paul and Austin Watson. So just nice to meet guys that are on the team. You know, they know the drill, right? And um, I just kind of got to learn off them a little bit, their practice habits, the kind of culture that they have there in Ottawa. And uh, in terms of people from the organization, I've uh, I've been in contact with multiple people now. I'd say five, six, and everybody's just been uh, been super welcoming, and it's been a nice, uh, warm welcome so far. Well, that's good to hear. Um, and I guess yeah. while you were while you were talking to them, um, I'm not sure if you can say anything about this, but uh, a lot of the fans are wondering um, if and or when there will be a development camp this year. I don't know if you've heard anything about um, if that could possibly happen or not, but. Uh, you could, you wouldn't mind sharing some of the insight there. Yeah. Uh, I think I can say it, but um, <laughs> I don't think there's any dates that are set in stone yet, but it looks like we're going to have a two or three day development camp starting around the 10th of September, maybe 10th, 11th. And then after that, we're going to do, I think there's, this isn't confirmed yet, but rookie games for the prospect teams against Montreal and Toronto is what I heard for a couple of days and then straight into main camp. So well, that, yeah, that's pretty exciting. We've had that, that rookie tournament. Obviously, we couldn't have it last year, but uh, the fans love that tournament. It's really nice to see all the young players. Uh, you know, a little bit of a rivalry game, too, always against Montreal and Toronto, so that should be fun. Um, yeah. Growing up, were you, uh, obviously, you said you're kind of close to the, the Hamilton area, which is in the GTA. Would you say you grew up a bit of a Leafs fan, or did you not really have any affiliation with any team? Um, I've been a kind of a Leafs fan just these last couple of years when they got good. Um, I do watch a lot of Leafs games, but I've always been a Penguins fan at heart. I loved oh, Crosby when I was younger. Used to go down for the uh, the Penguins camp every year, and they had like a, a kids camp where some of the players would come on the ice and stuff. So um, definitely Pittsburgh was my favorite team growing up, but Toronto the last few years, like I've definitely been watching a lot, but that's well, in the past we'll, now. We'll, we'll keep that a secret because I know a lot of Sens fans don't like the Leafs and the Penguins uh, as, a, <laughs> as a team to cheer for, but uh, you're yeah. drafted here now, so I guess that's all that matters. Um, did you have a favorite favorite player growing up or maybe a guy that you kind of modeled your game after? Um, favorite player like growing up when I was little was Crosby, like I said. But um, now as I watch more hockey and look for a defense that I model my game after, I'd say uh, Jamie Alexiak, who just got picked up by Seattle, and uh, Jake Muzzin on Toronto. Just guys that are nasty to play against, tough in the corners, just guys like that. For sure. And you said the, that when you visited Ottawa, you met – you know, Nick Paul and, and Austin Watson, did you actually get to get on the ice with them and train or did you kind of just, you know, tour around with them and then get a chance to pick their brain a little bit? No, I had, uh, I was there for Monday, Tuesday. So Monday, Tuesday, I skated and worked out with them both days. So yeah, I was able to chat with them a little bit and uh, it's, it's always nice to meet guys that are, uh, that are on the team full time, right? Um, they know how it's done. They were there, they were in my shoes one time and um, yeah, they were, they were super nice to me. And, you know, maybe once again, moving a bit away from hockey, do you, you talked about that, you know, the clothing brand that you have with the, the guy that helped you make it. Do you think you'd like to kind of carry that on and, and try to, you know, 
improve your brand or grow your brand? Or do you think it's kind of just something that's on the side to make a quick buck or two and that's it? Um, maybe as I, uh, I go through and if I make it, um, I might try and turn it into something, but as of right now, it's not really a focus of mine and I'm just going to keep it on the side for now. <laughs> well, it sounds yeah. like a plan. Um, I don't think there's a lot of money in it. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, it's pretty cool. You say you got like, got your own merch, like not everybody yeah. can say that. Right. So that's good. Um, to the draft experience, once again, I'm sure you obviously, I mean, you said talk to Ben Roger a bit, but I'm sure you had a lot of friends that got drafted in this draft as well. Is it kind of cool to see like, you know, maybe you grew up with these guys and now everybody's kind of going their separate ways, getting drafted by different teams and, you know, maybe a cool yeah. experience all in all. Mm -hmm. Tons of guys that I played minor hockey with, uh, especially in the two years that I played in Toronto before, uh, before getting drafted to the OHL, like a lot of those guys got drafted. I know it's not the end of the, the end of the road when you get drafted to the NHL, but right. um, it's kind of like, you know, I, I skated with a couple of guys the other day, like some of my close buddies and they both got picked and it's like, you know, we made it like, what are the odds that all three of us, we did it and we made it five years later, whatever it was. But um, it's definitely nice to have guys that are like-minded and in the same situation on the same journey as you, it just keeps them motivated. Right. But, um, yeah, it, it's, it's definitely special to have them with me too. Is there a certain team or rink that you were, would be most excited to play in when you make the NHL? Um, Toronto and Vegas, I would say are the top two Vegas. I went to about. I want to say six or seven years ago now, and I've just been in love with Vegas ever since. So, uh, especially watching those playoff games too, it just seems like it's so loud in there. I'd love to do that. And uh, Toronto, of course, just it would be my hometown game, and uh, that's something special. I've been to a lot of Leafs games growing up. So, yeah, those. Have, two. You, have you been around to any other any other stadiums around the NHL, or is it just Toronto once uh, I've been to a Pittsburgh game. I've been to lots of Buffalo games, and one in Chicago. So you've never been to a Sens game? Never. No, my brother has been a few times because he was living up there for a bit. But uh, me personally, no, I've never been to a Sens game. So when you were here, did you get a chance to at least see the rink and the, and the facilities? And what did you think about it? Yeah, I toured uh, the change room and everything. And um, it's huge. Uh, I, I wasn't <laughs> going to be that big, but um, just cool to kind of see it in person. It's a lot different than seeing it on video or in pictures. And uh, I was really impressed with it. Sense fans, I mean, you said earlier that you got a text from Brady Kachuk, and, you know, he's a real, obviously, huge fan favorite here. Um, yeah. Did he say anything, you know, you know, maybe just congratulations, or was he trying to crack a few jokes, and, and did he seem like a nice guy? Um, honestly, I think he just, I don't remember exactly, but I think he just kind of said, uh, welcome to the organization kind of thing, happy to have you, and I uh, look forward to meeting you at camp, something like that. Absolutely. Well, that's so, nice no, no joke. <laughs> I'm sure that'll come in time. Um, yeah. but you said you're, you're going up to Belleville, um, to train a little bit. So, you know, is that going to be a situation where you're going to try to get to know the staff there as well, just in case you end up maybe playing a few games there too down the road? Yeah. Uh, Jeremy Benoit, who I think is the head strength and conditioning coach there. He, uh, he called me this morning and invited me up, said that, uh, the coach of Belleville would be there running skates and, uh, just, yeah, asked me to come up, tour the facility. I'm sure uh, I'm going to be playing there at some point down the road. So uh, I think they just want to uh, get me familiar with everybody in the organization there and show me around. And I'm sure this is, you know, a little bit a ways away down the future. But uh, do you know much about the AHL? And then do you think that that would be a really good place to play for you? You said you'll probably end up playing there. Do you think that's a good development spot for you as you try to inch closer to your goal of, of playing in the league? 
yeah, I think it's inevitable that anybody that's uh, kind of in my shoes that's going to play in the NHL is going to play in the AHL first. And um, I think it's it's a great league. I know tons of guys who have played in the AHL. And um, in terms of a stepping stone and making it on past that, I think it's uh, there's nothing better. So um, I, hopefully that's a journey that I go and I, I look forward to it. All right. Well, I know you said you had to uh, you had to head off. So I will wish you the best of luck. And um, hopefully we see you in a, in a send uniform sometime soon down the road. I hope so. Thanks very much, Adam. All right. Thanks a lot. All right. So that was Chandler Romeo. Thanks again to him for coming on and for joining us. That was, a, that was definitely a blast for me to do. Uh, super, super nice guy. Really nice of him to come on. And uh, a lot of stuff in that in that 20 minutes, I thought. I thought that uh, a lot of stuff maybe Sam Spence didn't know about, especially relating to Dev Camp and Ricky Camp. But uh, Louie, after hearing a bit about uh, what what Chandler had to say, what are your kind of first impressions about the biggest things that he kind of, you know, divulged in that in that interview? Well, I mean, first of all, very well-spoken guy. That interview, like I listened to it a few times, it went pretty well. Like uh, a lot of stuff, he was willing to talk about a bunch of different things, like the Dev Camp. I did not expect us to get like actual possible dates, um, okay. but it looks like what two to three day dev camp starting September 10th or 11th is what he said. Something and then like followed that. by the rookie tourney against like the Habs. I'm excited for that. Cause we didn't, have the rookie, we didn't have the rookie tournament last year. I love that tournament because that, oh, I mean, same. The, the best part of the memory, the best memory that I have about that tournament is back when Brady Kachuk was in it and he just beefed Cock and Yeti like for that whole game. <laughs> right. And, and everyone was like, oh, this guy's going to be so funny. But, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see um, people in that tournament, especially because it'll be like two new crops of prospects, right? Because the, the picks from uh, last year didn't get to play in a rookie tournament, right? Because there was no rookie tournament. So they'll be in it. Uh, I mean, I assume they'll be in it. I don't know why they wouldn't be in it. Um, but they'll be in it. And then obviously the picks from this year. So we'll get to see. Um, I wonder I, I wonder who. Because mm, I don't know maybe. when the BU when the BU season starts because it is in September. Um, but I would I mean that would be like the real the first opportunity for Sense fans to get like an up close look at him, right? If they if he comes to that tournament. Yeah. But anyway, so uh, but yeah, he he talked about a lot of stuff. I thought that it was really great. Like because I, I didn't really know how how it works. Like when a player gets drafted, like that they come down to the city like that summer, like because. You know, Chandler Ray was like, he wasn't a first round pick, he was a seventh round pick, but they still, you know, he was able to come down to Ottawa and meet some of the players. I thought it was great that he met. Um, yeah, especially Austin this year. Austin. Yeah. Like, we exactly. didn't know if like restrictions would prevent him and all that stuff, but it's nice. Like, the t apparently the team brought him down, like, and all mm. that stuff, and he stayed in Canada. I think it says a lot about Nick Paul and Austin Watson that they were willing yeah. to, like, you know, this kid has just got drafted, like, first time in the, seeing the arena and he's meeting these guys and they kind of he said he did, he did like a little on ice session with them which must have been that must have been cool for him right yeah like that must have been pretty awesome um, i mean that's a golden goal scoring world champion right there <laughs> that you get stick, to play with. his stick is in the hall of fame by the way yeah nick paul i don't know if anybody saw that but the the hockey hall of fame instagram put out a uh uh put out a post and and it was nick paul's golden goal stick so nick paul's in the hall of fame that's i mean doesn't get much better than that. As we all predicted when the Spezza trade happened. Yep. <laughs> yeah. After being on, on waivers like eight times or whatever it was, Nick Paul is in the Hall of 
fame. So that's a heck of a career arc, I gotta say. Can't really find that anywhere else. Um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> but uh, but no, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I think it. You know, he sounds excited. Like I think he really liked it. I think he really liked coming in and and meeting the players and seeing the facility. He said he really liked the facility, obviously. Um, yeah, it seems yeah, like he has we'll connections see. too. Like just like you said, Nick Paul, Austin Watson. You yeah. got text with from Brady, and it seems like he's friends so with Ben cool. Roger. I think yeah. that's so cool. Like Brady Kachuk did not have to do that. Like, like here's this guy's pick in the seventh round, and Brady Kachuk is texting him. Like already, like that's awesome. Like that, I, I think that's really cool. I, that's gotta mm-hmm. be. That's gotta be. I don't want to. I don't want to jinx it, but that's gotta be a good omen for contract negotiations. Like it has. I really to. hope so. Like he, if he's that invested, where he's texting seventh round picks, like, welcome to the team. That's like. I don't know. The, I, I, I mean, I hope that's a good, I hope it's a good sign. But I think that's a really cool gesture from Brady um, for him to do that. And yeah, you, like you said, he, because uh, I asked him if he, you know, was making friends with any of the other guys that Sens drafted that year. Um, and there he is with Ben Roger, who's similar uh, type of player too, right? Like they're both big, you know, rangy mobile D-men. Um, yeah well, hard to play yeah. against as he said himself yes i'm hard to play against uh so and i know they said they met at the erie tournament um that's cool josh maybe we could ask because i know you know a little bit about this he talked about um playing at this erie invitational can you he explained it a little bit but can you kind of tell um you know the listeners like what how that kind of like what that kind of was and, and how it materialized and why it was so important for players to play in that yeah obviously um the OHL wasn't able to play this year with COVID restrictions in Ontario. So there were a couple of guys that um, we were in contact with who, well, sorry, we had NHL process and had nothing to do with it, but we were in contact with to help them sort of promote it on our page. Um, they were just really cool guys trying to organize that for a whole bunch of players. Um, a couple of guys got drafted out of there, right? Obviously two from two that the Suns drafted. Um, another guy like James Hardy, the Leafs invited to Dev Camp. These guys who, otherwise wouldn't have played much, got to play somewhere between eight to 10 games, depending on the player. And that's a pretty good you know, way to get scouted in a year where there's COVID and those guys otherwise wouldn't have been able to be seen. So it definitely helped a lot of guys have their draft stock raised and get drafted. Guys like um, Francesco or Curry went, you know, got drafted because they were able to put up not just, you know, 13 points in 10 games in that tournament, which is pretty good, but these scouts are able to see over a half dozen games of all these different draft eligibles. So it's pretty good. Yeah, definitely. I think it's, uh, that was a really, really important tournament to have um, for guys to get some games in. And, and I mean, also like he played in Ottawa this year, like he played for the junior Sens, um, the trip, the, uh, you know, the junior A team, which is, I think that's, I mean, that's great. Like good on his, cause he said his agent said that, but good on his agent, honestly for getting him, you know, the ability to play games. Like, I'm sure that helped his draft stock 100%. That must have helped his draft stock. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I think he definitely had an advantage going into that tournament just because he played the, you know, like, competitive-ish hockey in the last four months. So, good for him for getting games in. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it was it was really nice to kind of hear his perspective after being drafted and, and, and you know, kind of everything like that. But uh, I, I know it's maybe a bit of a premature question, but, uh, what do you think, you know, he talked a bit about his plans. He's going to go to the OHL this year, play for Hamilton. Um, do you see kind of any, the ideal long-term plan for Chandler Romeo moving forward, Louis? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be nice. As he said, he's not as young as he thought he would be when entering the league, right? So it's definitely going to be an adjustment, especially going from having basically no season 
to like a full-fledged uh was it 68 game season right i think the o is um yeah. So yeah it's definitely gonna be interesting to see um how he develops there uh if he can maybe start to grow more of an offensive game uh show a little bit more flashes like when i i just i didn't see too much from his games uh at the eerie tournament but he seemed like every once in a while there seemed to be maybe some instincts that he didn't always act on but act on but you know some decent pass opportunities and everything so it's it's gonna be nice to see uh, a possible uh, flourishing of his offensive side along with the strengthening of his already uh, possibly established defensive strengths yeah definitely and i think you know he dropped a nice little another nugget in there where he's actually going to be training in belleville with with ben roger in the coming weeks um, so that'll be that'll be really good uh, you know for him to kind of get gel staff he'll be in the ahl at some point um before making the jump to the nhl most players do and he, he talked openly about that he said you know get me in the ahl like i want to be there um but josh maybe before uh we move on one more thought or two on on chandler romeo in the interview yeah the thing with uh, you know playing in hamilton this year coming up um i, I have a buddy who works for hamilton he's just said he knew that uh, a lot of the guys who worked high up there in hamilton were really high on romeo Obviously, it's unfortunate he didn't get to play there this year because I'm sure he would have had a big role. And being a year older, he's going to have an even bigger role this year if he does play there. It's going to be uh, interesting to see what he can do with uh, probably a lot of minutes. Yeah, and uh, I will continue to follow um, Chandler Romeo's career, you know, early early career arc. Um, definitely, if you're in town, uh, I mean, I'd suggest going to a 67s game whenever the – I mean, whenever, but when the Bulldogs come – um, you know, just to see Chandler Romeo maybe up close, I think that's a great opportunity for people to go. Um, great atmosphere at those games too. So we will keep an eye on that. And, and once again, big shout out to Chandler Romeo for coming on. He was fantastic and uh, we wish him the best of luck. Yeah. Uh, but is this, on, is it just before we move on, is this the first time since Alex Formington that the Sens have had an OHL prospect? Well, Ben like, Rogers technically came. I guess. Yeah. Okay. True. Because now <laughs> this year, every time that I guess London comes in, Kingston comes in for for Marilyn uh, and, and then Hamilton also, and yeah. about, Hamilton and Kingston so are in the same division. So that's going to be a lot of years. Was yeah. 2018, right? Yeah, but you know he's not. He doesn't really count. He's not with the team anymore. Not anymore, no. no. But I mean, yeah, I, I mean, it's kind of weird. Like there must have been someone before after Formington besides Gruden. Like they draft. Like how many players have they drafted? Since not a lot Formington? from the O. Like that. In league that people tend to draft out of, but I mean, I mean, they have targeted like NCAA guys a lot. To be fair, so yeah, that obviously yeah. plays a role. But uh, but yeah, definitely keep an eye out for whenever Hamilton comes to town. Those will be fun games to watch. But we should move on. Um, the signings keep coming. Uh, free agency not quite done yet. A lot of these are obviously re-signings, but uh, we'll start. I mean, a, a lot has been about the defenseman and the ridiculous money that's being thrown around defenseman, but there were goalies that got signed. Don't forget about them. Um, a couple of them, Hart, Carter Hart in Philadelphia for a shade under 4 million a year at three years. It's like 3.98 or something like that. And then Shesterkin, another young goalie, um, goes for four years at 5.6. Um, Josh, maybe your initial thoughts on these two, on these two signings and maybe you could, you know, in your opinion, which team do you think made the uh, the better call here? Do you think they were both good? Uh, I definitely think the Shesterkin deal is a pretty good one. I mean, he's been a terrific goalie so far for uh, for the Rangers, and I think he was injured 
for a decent chunk of last year, and yeah. it definitely hindered their ability to make the playoffs because he was outstanding when he was healthy. And for Carter Hart, I'm not huge on being able to evaluate goalies, but just pure stats-wise, he obviously had a very off year last year with an 877, almost yeah. against. But it's it's goalies, right? I mean, he's in the league at 23, which isn't that common. So, And he's already has three NHL seasons under his belt. So, I mean, it's it's not too much term anyway, so it's not like it's going to hurt them like a Bobrovsky contract. Right. But it's interesting to see because if he bounces back, it's going to be really good. But I don't know how easily you can earn a $4 million contract with an 877 save percentage. Yeah, it's fair. And we, we've talked about this before. Like, goalies are just looked at as, like, voodoo a lot of the time or they'll just yeah. put up, like, some crazy numbers one year. And then with pretty much no explanation, just, you know, shoot way below, um, you know, their potential the, the year after that. So we will see what Carter Hunt does. I mean, that, that Flyers team was just awful last year. That was yeah. not a good year for them. So, I mean, maybe that revamped defense of Rasmus Ristolainen uh, can help, you know, oh, shield God. some of the <laughs> <take some laughs> Yeah, of that could only them. help. Yeah, like, exactly. So Carter Hart's got his work cut out for him, but uh... one thing that I found funny about the Shesterkin extension, though, is that apparently that's the that's the most expensive second contract for an NHL mm-hmm. goalie ever. Ever. Which really, like at five point six six seven million, you wouldn't think that that would be the case. It's strange. I'm not right? sure if it's AAV or total dollars. Yeah, I know. I couldn't feel so like it out four either. times five and two thirds. Right. I'm not 100 sure, but it's it is interesting. When you look at second contracts for goalies, I mean, it, that, it's not a situation where with some players who come out of their ELC, they get long-term right away. But who's going to give long-term to a goalie coming out of an ELC? Practically nobody, right? Like, has that even ever happened before? Where I, I don't is, know. Right? So, I mean, it's not – from that kind of perspective, to me, it's not totally shocking. But, I mean, you look at that number, like 5.6, like, yes, it's a decent amount of money, but you'd think that there'd be, uh, you know, in the history of the league, like a higher number than that. But uh, – that's it makes sense though exciting. for Shesterkin to be that hype just because he's because he's been developing the KHL in the meanwhile, right? And he's much older than the the usual goalie would get when point. they get their second contract. Yeah, I mean, um, Matt Murray's second contract was three times just under four, three point seven five. So hmm. he got paid pretty well after his uh, <laughs> his ELC. It's not five point five point six, but right. good comparison for Stens fans. I also think that teams have been reluctant in the past to give big money to goalies just because of how bad that can kind of bite you in the back, as we've seen like countless times, like with every goalie that gets a long-term contract pretty much. Um, I mean, you know, you, you just don't want to repeat another Bobrovsky or another price situation where you're just throwing a ridiculous amount of money at these guys. And it's a, it's a one player position pretty much. Right. So if he doesn't work out, then, that's that's a bit of a problem for you so it's uh i'd say these are these are both pretty reasonable as far as as term and dollar nothing none of these are going to really cripple these teams for years to come we'll see about carter hart if he can bounce back and shesterkin looks like he's continuing to get better so the uh the goalies stay put there and we'll see how that turns out for them winnipeg has had an interesting off season um they've been a little bit active kind of everywhere but uh they re-sign a couple of i'd say they're, they're pretty key players for them, especially Neil Pion, who is at a very team-friendly four-year, $5.875 million deal. And, and you, you consider, we'll get to Andrew Kopp in a second, but we'll consider, like, look at the defensemen that are just getting signed recently. Like, 
Makar, 9 million, that's a good one. Nurse, like 9.5. Like Wierenski, a bunch. Like Seth Jones, 9.5. Like it's just ridiculous dollars being thrown around. And then here's Neil Pionk, four years, under 6 million. Louis, you watch the Jets a lot. Do you like this deal for them? Definitely. Yeah, especially in this economy. Like yeah. somehow Pionk was able to go from a player with, let's say, uh, unflattering. Uh, analytics in in new york uh to then just actually being very good on a jets blue line that was pretty barren right Mm -hmm. um he was able to improve his offense and defense just pretty surprising and then he meshed very well with the pp there playing tough minutes and everything and he was able to get some good production and honestly just makes the the truba for pionk and ended up being hynola i guess trade even better and as for cop um, like I have, a, like I have a bunch of family in Winnipeg, and they they love their. He's like one of the fan favorites there from the bottom six. Like him and Lowry, uh, they love him there, and it's a one year, what three point six four million dollar yeah. deal. So yeah. it's not like it's going to hamper them in the long term. And uh, he he's pretty solid for that price range, I'd feel, because he had he had a I guess somewhat of a breakout year just in terms of production. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, honestly, it fits right under their. And under the salary cap, I believe they're right up close to it, but it's nice yeah. that they were able to get both these guys locked up and Pionk at a decently long term. Yeah. And I'm, Josh, you look at these moves that the uh, that the Jets have been doing here. And, and do you think that, I mean, they're obviously, they're not going to be in the North Division yet. So that's, you know, no more fun there. But they're, they're going into a Central Division with a few teams that I'd say have, have probably, you know, gotten a little less good. Um, do you think that there's a scenario where Winnipeg can, can push for a playoff spot this year again? Yeah, for sure. I mean, looking just looking at the teams, obviously the Avs are going to be great. Um, the Blues should be pretty good. But then you look, I mean, Minnesota was good last year, but who knows what's happening. It's gone. The Jets are a far better team to me. Um, the Stars were pretty unlucky last year, so they might be a bounce-back candidate. But, I mean, you look at the Pacific and you think that maybe both wild cards come from the central. So the yeah. Jets just really have to be top four, maybe five in the central. And there's a spot and they'll be better than the Blackhawks should be better than the Preds. And of course that last, you know, um, so Arizona's moving to the central as well. Yeah, so exactly. that's three teams who I think should be far worse than them. And yeah. at that point, it's just getting either the second wild card or even higher. Just the only spot that's, it's locked and sealed as the abs, I think, at number yeah. one. Anyone else could win number two there. I definitely agree with you. And we'll Plus see. They we'll added see Dylan and Schmidt, right? So, yeah, we'll that's right. They're, they're decors. And, you know, they still have, like, they still have the mellow. They still have. Yeah. You know, I mean, so Josh Morrissey hasn't been. I know, Louis, yeah. you might not I know. I don't, uh, yeah, Josh Morrissey uh, hasn't been a great player. So, I mean, it's not like it, they also resigned Pullman, correct? Very recently. No, no, no. Pullman's in Vancouver. Yeah, Thank God. Yes, yes. Four yes, years, sorry. two and a half. Like, yeah, oh my ridiculous, God. Ridiculous, ridiculous. Yes, contract. Logan Stanley, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Logan Stanley. He's very so big. That's another, very large. Yeah. Two years, 900K, though, so I won't complain. Yeah, it's just there's a couple guys there that are going to pu- pull it down as much as the guys they brought in might bring it back up. So I'm not sure. You know, I still think they're a playoff team, but their decor is not elite. That's a team where asset man or uh, kind of coaching and asset management is going to be really important for them. Because I think that they have players where if they put the right players out there, they can do very well. They're top but, six. It's, yeah, it's well, really yeah, good. Exactly. But if they mismanage that, they get scared. Then oh boy, mm-hmm. that might be ugly. But uh, 
we just rely on Hellebuck. As yeah, they do. Like, exactly. They seem to they seem to like that strategy a lot. Um, but uh, but anyway, we will move on. Um, there was a couple other quick extensions before we get to some sense related stuff, and then we'll call it an episode. But uh, Louis, maybe just a quick note from you here, Rana. Three years, five point two five in in Detroit seems like a, a pretty decent value signing for them. Yeah, and I was actually just watching some Verona clips not too long ago, and man, he is so fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, he's like it's just incredible, like how much you could notice from him now that he's no longer getting, I guess, underutilized in Washington, right? Um, yeah, just well, he was behind a couple guys in that lineup. But... Yeah, and I guess rightfully so back then because they were relying on their guys with the big contracts and everything. But Irzman had a steal of a trade there, like yeah, getting. Was it Verana and a first and a second? Yeah, there was, I there think was more. I think it was like there was probably a couple other pieces. I think they also got like Panic or something. Like I might have been a couple other. Who they traded away for uh, Letty, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, so yeah, so, that's yes. a pretty good contract. Stevie Wise up to his usual business. Um, so that's some tidy business there for him in Detroit. And then Josh, just the last signing here, uh, Reinhardt, who was earlier in this summer traded. From Buffalo to Florida, re signs but signs in in Florida for three years at six point five. Um, how do you like this deal for the Panthers? I mean, it's pretty good. You look at what he was able to do on the Buffalo Sabers, and you assume that, given so, I mean, you know, he got to play with Eichel for a lot of that, but on a top six core that the Panthers have, you might be able to do even better. And apparently, there was some talk that his value was lowered because he was demanding six and a half million which I think is just ridiculous the guy who's you know been playing at a really he had 25 goals in 54 games this year I mean he's been a consistent you know high point producing guy who plays on a top six on a bad team and people didn't want to trade for him because he wanted six and a half million which I think is a bit odd but I like that for Florida and they have their team to watch in the Atlantic next year Yep, I definitely agree. I think there will be some spots up for grabs in that division, and I think Florida has had a very, very interesting offseason, um, and they'll be sure to try to prime and take one of those spots. Yeah, I mean, if you if you look at the eight teams that are in the Atlantic, they finished first out of the eight seasons. So. Yeah, there you go. I mean, I know Tampa was missing Kucherov all year, but it's, it's well, interesting. Missing Kucherov all year. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but we will we'll leave it at that. We'll leave Luckily it at that. for them. Yeah, yeah. But... We will move on to the Sens, who have not done anything since our last episode, but there are, as Pierre says, there are, what does he say, logs in the fire? Is that what he said that uh, on the interview after trade deadline day? He said there's logs Something in like the that. fire. Yeah. Anyway. Um, people, I mean, Eric Branstrom's name has been out there for some reason for a bunch of, <laughs> like, many weeks. It seems uh, to be like, I don't want to say a guarantee, but like every sign points to him getting traded. Like it's kind of it's kind of insane how we got to this point with it. Um, I thought personally that he was developing quite well. I was excited to see what his progress was going to look like this year. Hopefully with a real partner. Um, but he's been linked to a couple guys. He's been linked to, I think Bruce Garriock in his in his article cited they want a top six forward, a center, or a winger. Um, Ryan Strom has been connected to the Sens. He's on the New York Rangers. Uh, Brancham. Uh, allegedly could be a piece going the other way. Um, Josh, I don't know if this is, you know, the kind of high profile player that you'd like to trade a guy like Eric Branstrom for, um, but what would your thoughts be on potentially acquiring Ryan Strome? 
I I'd be pretty upset if if Brandstrom was, especially if he was only one of the pieces going right. to New York. I mean, turning Mark Stone into a guy who was quite bad until he got to play with Artemi Panarin is probably <laughs> not what you want to do. I mean, he at best if he continues what he's doing with you know one of the best players in the league, he becomes your second line center, and you're turning one of the best, if not the best right winger, well, sorry, yeah, one of the best right wingers in the league into a fringe second line center in the matter of a couple seasons. I think that's pretty bad asset management if they manage to do that. Yeah, I uh, I think a lot of people are going to be with you there. Um, so yeah, I, he has one I, year I, left too, eh? Yeah, he's due for, yeah, it's going to Yeah, it's going to be a one year rental. Yeah, and I don't yeah. think the Sens are really in position for a rental right now. Um, mm-hmm. but, you know, we'll see. I mean, there, the other name that I found a little more interesting is another Strom, Dylan Strom in Chicago, who he's had a bit of a, a weird career, right? Because he gets drafted like pretty high um, by he was drafted by Arizona, right? Or you know when when they were yes. was he, yeah yeah and then yeah, he played third there. yeah he played there never really found it uh, found it a little bit but not really gets traded to Chicago. I think he actually had a pretty good year there his first year there. Yeah, 2019-20. Yeah. Or sorry, 18-19, yeah. Yeah, that's right. So, I don't, I mean, I think that would be an interesting, I don't even know if I should call it a reclamation project, but that's a player that would be intriguing. I don't know if I would send Eric Branstrom there, Louis, but what would would your thoughts be on on maybe Ryan Strom's brother Dylan Strom coming instead of Ryan? Again, um, especially if Branstrom's only one of the pieces in that deal, I would not very much be in agreement with that, but, uh, yeah, Dylan Strom's an interesting player. <laughs> um, he has the pedigree of being drafted high, right? He's got some offense to his game, really should improve his defense. Um, but he's got some okay production, and his passing game is decent too. Um, but, yeah, I, again, if you're trading Brandstrom for that, Sense fans have liked the analogy of if we trade Brandstrom now, it could be another Zabanajad situation where a year mm-hmm. or two after he leaves is just, oh, he's elite now. Who could have predicted that one, you know? <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I don't know if I'd do that. And at least the consoling thing is if we do trade, like apparently according to Bruce Garriak, that if we do, uh, if the Sens do trade for Reinstrom, that's only going to happen if the Rangers acquire Eichel. So there you go. that lowers yeah, the probability of it at least. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, I don't know. The, this Eichel thing is looks like it might drag on a bit. I think both, you know, both parties are a little bit, you know, Eichel and the and the rain and the uh, Sabers that is are both a bit of a bit frustrated at each other. Um, so we'll see where that where that goes. But uh, Josh, before we move on, maybe one last quick thing on Stroh. I just wanted to say that I know they're not all on the same team, but I think it would be you'd still be losing value if you managed to get Ryan, Dylan, and Matthew Strom for Brandstrom after <laughs> getting rid of Mark Stone. So like. If they're only getting one of the two brothers, one of the two NHL brothers, I still think, you know, obviously that's bad, but even with all three, they'd still be worse off than having Mark Stone on the team. Where's Matthew Strome? Where's he at? I didn't even know that. He's with first. Philly, I believe. Yeah, okay. he was a Hamilton. So player, in the right? ECHL. Oh, okay. um, well, he played, he had seven points in 26 games in the ECHL last season. So not really a big trade ship of the three we, brothers, uh, but we may not see him in the league anytime soon. Anyway, we'll move on um, from, from you know, one set of brothers to uh, a different winger who the Sens um, have, I, I mean, I guess they've been rumored to, to be in on, but it seems like they might, according to Garyoff, be out of it. And that's uh, Tomas Hurdle 
with the Sharks, Louis, it's being reported that his price is a little bit too high and that it would kind of like situation-wise, it would kind of just make sense for him to go to like a contender who's looking for, you know, a guy to help them win now, which I don't really think the Sens are in that mode. Um, so with that being said, would you still like them to maybe try to take a run at, at a guy like Hurdle or, or you know, kind of stay the course and, and look for someone else? Um, well, I mean, I think we've talked about this a little before, but if you're trading a guy like Branstrom there, uh, you, you hope Hurdle comes with an extension, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he's a much better player than the Stroms, Hurdle for sure. Uh, like much better production, much better underlying numbers and everything. Uh, it's just a matter of whether he'll actually resign in, in San Jose or not. Again, that whole situation down there is like, crazy. man, I, yeah, the whole yeah, Evander Kane thing coming up, the, just the contract seeming to doom them, doom them for another five years. Mm-hmm. Not the best prospect pool because they missed out on Timmy. Yeah, um, right. at least they have Eklund now who's absolutely like I love Eklund uh, so, yeah you're, you've talked about this talked about this at length and free yeah exactly I I'd prefer it as an option definitely over over the two stroms mm-hmm. and I mean there's another option uh Josh Adam Henrique is like, an option I think like this is so like I, no 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 offense to Adam Henrique like I don't know anything about Adam but it seems like the only basis that sense fans and, and kind of reporters are going off of with Adam Henry is that like he had chemistry for a week with Connor Brown at the Worlds. Like that's that's all we've got on like people who want Adam Henry. I don't really think that's entirely reasonable. Uh, Henrique is old. He's getting paid a lot. Well, and I mean, he is what he is. But uh, do you think it's worth it maybe to take a swing on him? Okay, a couple things. So he's only, I mean, I thought he was much older too. He's only 31. He just turned 31 this year. Yeah. So it's not crazy old. Did I? You guys correct me if I'm wrong. He cleared waivers this year, correct? Yes. Is that, yes. In late February, I believe. Okay, so that's another thing. I'm not sure if they're taking on if they get compensation for taking on his contract. I'd definitely do that because he's still a, a competent middle six player. Um, I want to check here. So, yes. So from 2006 to 2012, um, DJ Smith was with the Windsor Spitfire. Oh, just as yeah. Adam Henrique was <laughs> from 2006 to 2010 at Windsor Spitfire. So there is a bit of a connection there, not surprisingly. I, I had to look it up instantly, and it made sense. I think the thing, the thing that just scares me with him is he's got, like, three years left, I think, um, yeah. which is a significant commitment. And also, like you say, like, of course, if they're taking on assets with him, that's great. But we saw this last year. They acquired Eric Goodbranson, who is a player that you should really be taking on assets like you should be getting assets from to get the same player. team too yeah and yeah for the ducks instead they cough up it was like a fourth or a fifth that's just mm-hmm. like it's, yeah it's a bad it's bad asset management really um it's the fact that they're not taking on anything else like they're they're giving away value for someone who clearly i mean if you look at it play on the ice it brought you negative value so at the end of the day i just don't really think like that's what kind of scares me with this if they think that you know they're going to try to acquire this guy and, and they look at his contract and they're not taking anything on um, to take it. Cause they, I mean, they have the cap space, like that's not the issue because they can eat, they can eat that full salary, I think at least for the next two years. Um, and that, and that might entice the ducks to give more compensation than if they just retain 50%. Um, so I think you could turn it into something good like that. Or like Ian Mendez, every time that he's mentioned him in his athletic articles, he always talks about the ducks possibly retaining on Henrik which would obviously mm-hmm. make the contract more manageable, but then what are you looking at in terms of compensation or value giving up? You know, like mm-hmm. we don't know how much the Sens actually value him or not. Like he's still a fine player. Um, it's just in terms of the term 
and the the age and everything and he, he's fine defensively he can still score every once in a while and play some okay minutes but it's a little questionable in terms of money in term yeah so i think you know we'll see what happens with henry um it's definitely i mean i guess it's an option uh but we'll i i just don't feel confident enough in how they're going to do that asset management that they'll do it right but nonetheless we will see um and besides that uh josh maybe you could talk about some of the other players that are available kind of a, from a trade bait board that you think the sense could possibly be in on, or maybe just for fun and we can throw some names around. Yeah. So uh, back at the end of July was the last time Sarah Valley updated his trade bait board with daily faceoff. Obviously Jack Eichel is number one there. We've already talked about that. We can skip over it because we're going to get heated about it again. Yes. Sure. <laughs> uh, number four is Vladimir Tarasenko. He I think we don't have to talk too much about this because I don't think that's something the Senators would do at that cap hit. Um, do you guys think there's any possibility to that? I so so what's the like things have been coming out recently about him, right? Like he, teams are like not interested at all. They're like really scared about his medical stuff, and and you know I, I don't even know. I don't think he's been a decline player, but uh, Louis, maybe you could talk more about that. Like I I don't think I think a lot of teams are scared to take him on. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that can be demonstrated by the fact that uh, Seattle didn't pick him, right? Yeah. Because yeah. he was available there, I believe. I guess he was more exposed just to kind of entice them not to pick Vince Dunn. Right. Uh, that's just the way I look at it. But yeah, his shoulder surgery, um, there's a pretty good article in The Athletic that talked about it and how part of it was just botched by the St. Louis doctors, apparently. Yeah, well, it's a weird story. Yeah, and then so he like got it injured again and they need to get it fixed. It's a whole thing, but uh, I think it's good now. I, I'm not sure, but yeah, he's a very good finisher, right? And uh, he he can play first. Uh, he could. I don't know if he still can play for a sign minutes. Um, it's 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 definitely a risk, and I don't feel like it's one that the Sens would take. It just doesn't really scream Ottawa in terms mm-hmm. of a trade. I agree. Yeah. So um, after that, it's two guys on Vegas. Riley Smith, who is naturally a right winger, and then Marcheseau, who is a left winger, but also played center. I would assume he could also play right wing. Their contract, so Riley Smith only has one year left at $5 million, so it's almost a rental, whereas Marcheseau has three years at $5 million. So do you guys think either of those would be a possibility? Well, Riley Smith, I know we talked about this in the Ico episode, because yeah. Riley mm-hmm. Smith has been root well, didn't it like they, that was a, an ask by Buffalo that they yeah, it was part yeah. of the package yeah. and I think Vegas said no so that kind of makes me inclined to well that that's because of Peyton Krebs it has but, no, not much to do so Pey, basically Vegas is saying we're not giving up Peyton Krebs for Jack Eichel which is, which is crazy weird. but yeah. I don't think much of it has to do with uh Riley Riley Smith I mean if, if Vegas is willing to part with Riley Smith that would be an interesting because he can still i'm pretty sure he can still play like he he's, he's been mm-hmm. solid for them and yeah, i think that 40 it, point would, guy. it would be nice to get because i think that they're a pretty cap struck team so if you're getting five million dollars off the books well there, it's exactly what they took on with dad so yeah so i mean you know you could think of it as maybe a bit and if they if they really want to keep trying to take the right angle that's freeing up some nice cap for that um if you're trading a guy like riley smith one way but He's also a proven playoff guy. He has 65 points, 84 playoff games, which is pretty good, actually. And, and that's for, a, a sense. A middle six. Yeah, that is a sense thing to do. So yeah. they may not make the playoffs this year, but going for a guy who has proven playoff success, I can guarantee if they make that move, that's the first thing Dorian talks about in his presser. Yeah. What about you, Lou? Do you think Marshall might be the guy to go for, or maybe not? Um, 
just looking at how, sorry what was his contract again it was like three, three, years. three years five mil so a bit longer than the, and there's a modified no trade clause mm. oh so there yeah it may be tough to get him uh wait wait, wait. Uh, i'm just looking at the deal okay so the last so this year is the last year where it's an eight team no trade list for march so yeah and then it turns into five for the next two years like Sure. I've never like I've never understood what the point of that is. Like, so <laughs> yeah. you don't want to go to eight places, and then like for the next last couple of years of your contract, you have to be like, I'm willing to go to these three. Places. I'll broaden my horizons <laughs> a little bit. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. But anyway, I mean, we'll see. I don't know. Like that would be kind of an interesting thing to look at. Is like historically, like people's teams on their no trade list, like because I know who it was. Robin Leonard did this on Twitter, where someone was like. What are the places that people least like to play? And then he said like Buffalo, Buffalo Winnipeg, and Edmonton. and Edmonton. Edmonton. So do you think that those three places would be on their no trade list? Like Probably. I'm assuming that right. So <laughs> yeah. I, I yeah. wonder if Ottawa would be up there. I feel like it might be just because of like reputation of just cold and just Canada in general and not being right. a big city, right? And, I, and not I being good right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Right. So I, I just it just makes sense that it would be a little bit higher up there and Hey, I, I love Winnipeg, but completely understand it being up yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah okay, that's, so, that's so I'll skip to the next one. We have our first center on his trade bait board. This is going to be, he's not a character guy, so it might not happen, but Evgeny Kuznetsov is up there on his trade bait board. No, no chance. No way that happens. No, no way. chance. No chance in hell. Let's, hypothetically, because his $5 million <laughs> signing bonus was just paid last month. Oh, oh His wow. salary is way okay. down. Yeah, you never know, man. Like, he plays with. Is he a winger? Is he no, no, he's a center. He's a center. Oh, he is he a center. center. But he has, you know, he has a 83-point season. He's, he's only 70 points twice. Well, they want their first-line center, right? The sense, like, do they think it can mm-hmm. be Norris? I don't think it can be Norris right now. I mean, like, I, I, theoretically, I mean, they're not going to trade for Kenny. But if they did, <laughs> that's a pretty good first-line center that you have mm-hmm. on your team now. And like, apparently his, his cap hit is so high that the value going back wouldn't be very high. It's more to get rid of him than it is to... How many, how many years does he have Four times 7.8 minus the 5 million signing bonus being paid. Yeah. So his salary is lower. His salary four, is lower than his cap hit. Four is a bit long, though. I don't know if I... Uh, it runs him to 32. It's, it's just like, I wonder what their plans are like in those four mm-hmm. years. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. There's That's also it. a modified no trade clause here. <laughs> Fifteen team no trade list. Yeah. Does oh. it go down? Does it go down to uh, eight later? It goes down yes, to 10, ten next year. <laughs> oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah. Broad drive. Yeah, that's when we get them. That's okay. Right. Yeah. It's all part of I was taught. I, I taught. This is like not super related to kind related. And like when the Sens were like getting all like last year, like they got a bunch of Russians, which is like they've never done in like a billion years. And they yeah. all of a sudden got like Zub Zaitsev, Dadanov, like Anisimov. I'm thinking like. Ovechkin's a free agent this year. Like, <laughs> this has to be the master plan. Like, they're recruiting the Russian mafia, and here comes OB to like cap it off. Um, but maybe their target was Kuznetsov the whole time. We just didn't know. Like, you never know. I, I th- that might still be in the cards. Kuznetsov is the team. part of the plan to get Ovechkin right <laughs> yeah, <out. laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. Um, yeah. So one more. I'm gonna skip right over Evander Kane. That's, yes, that's completely yeah, skip over it. No way. So the last one, which I think is the most intriguing one, I'm not sure someone's going to have to check if he's an RFA, but Ricard Raquel is a trade chip for um, Anaheim. He's he's an interesting name. A very I'm interesting. sure he was rumored in like trade stuff this past year, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, I think he was rumored like the Leafs were in on him for a little bit. Um, 
I forget what the value. I don't know what his value would have been. Like I think they they value him pretty highly, Anaheim. Yeah, but he was having a down year, and then he went on an absolute heater near the deadline. I remember okay. because around the deadline, yeah. it was rumored he might get moved. So he is th- okay. So he is actually a UFA after his deal. So it would, it would have to be for sure have to be a sign and trade. Yeah, it would have to be sign and trade. It's interesting to see because that's uh, that'd be a good second line. Right, well, he'd probably be our best right winger, but a good uh, top six right winger to add. He does not have a modified no trade clause. Boom. Okay, big big idea. This is this is it. So you get you get Henrik to make DJ happy. You get Raquel to make us. <laughs> Raquel is a Raquel's a sweetener on the Henrik deal. Henrik yeah, exactly. And then <laughs> yeah, a lot right. of Sens fans also want like right shot defensive defenseman. Does anybody have like no like Josh Manson? Uh... He's on the trade list. There you go. All right. <laughs> so you get Raquel Manson and uh, Henrik. <laughs> Boom. There it is, man. There it is. Oh, and and then who do we we give you? Uh, Logan Brown, Chris Tierney, and a third. And a second, and Colin White. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah something like call that. It, call a deal. Hang up the phone, Gary. Good job. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if they got Josh Manson, Eric Branstrom's playing zero NHL games the next season. No, but I don't, I don't think different... it's looking good for him anyway right now. I think that, that, that uh, ship has sailed, but we'll see. I mean, here, we'll segue right to that. I mentioned Logan Brown. Um, Bruce Garriock in his recent article, he's going to get traded pretty much is what he said. Um, yeah. What do you think? I was thinking about this today. What is Logan Brown's value? Because let's no. be honest, he's okay. So he's a he's a first round pick. You're not going to get a first round pick for Logan Brown. He's how many NHL games he played? Like thirty max, he, maybe like twenty five. Like he's been injured constantly. He's got like one goal. He's what is he? 23, 24 or something. Like I I I personally would not trade anything if I'm a team trading for Logan Brown. I would not trade anything higher, like more valuable than like a third. Yeah, honestly, I'm. I'm Especially not sure. Twenty twenty two draft being so good. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so I'm. I'm not sure because the 2019-20 season, the last full season, basically right before COVID hit, he was very good both in the AHL and I thought in the NHL. He played between it was Kachuk and Duclair. Yeah, he played a couple games. <laughs> yeah. He looked very That's good. Right. He honestly yeah. did. And the thing is, with his like the stats he has with his draft pedigree. And just his actual play, if he wasn't so injury prone, he would have A, have value, and B, he'd probably be established with the sense by now. But he has been mm-hmm. so unlucky with injuries. And I think that yeah. brings the value down even more than already you know, being 23. Because he hasn't been able to stay healthy. He played 13 AHL games this year. And he got into one isn't, NHL game. Isn't there also, like, I, let's just add, that NHL game was the last game of the year. He got, like, a minor penalty and was, like, a minus two. He had a great pass to Anisimov. Which He's is actually a great pass to Anisimov. Anyway. Anyway. Plus, plus minus zero, not minus two. Okay, sorry, not DP. minus two. Anyway, but <laughs> he, uh, yeah, well, but, uh, oh, what was I going to say? Yeah, like, he, so I think, isn't there beef with him and the organization? Like, his dad? His dad, Wasn't yeah. his dad on Twitter that one yeah. time? Yeah. I, we talked about this. I think, Louie, we talked about this mm-hmm. on the first episode. Yeah, mm-hmm. we definitely did. <laughs> his, his dad was beefing with the, uh, the some, something about the send on Twitter and then he deleted the tweet. So, like, yeah. I think it's pretty evident that, like, at least the family is, like, get this guy out of here. Like, let him play somewhere else. I'm sure they're, I'm sure, and, like, I'm sure Logan Rand's frustrated. I completely understand where he's coming from. But it kind of seems like that is going to be a marriage that ends quite quickly. Although... If we did keep Logan Brown, I'm just saying, in that last game of the season, he and Parker <laughs> Kelly combined to have the two best 
Corsi shares in the entire league last year, regardless of sample size. Just saying. <laughs> he had like seventy-two point seven three Corsi share, and Parker Kelly had seventy-eight point five seven in like five and a half yeah. minutes of ice time each. <laughs> That's all you need, really. Just pitch that to teams. We'll get a first. Yep. There you go. You gotta give Kelly as well, though. It's a package. Yeah. Mm, ah, no deal. Scott Sabrin was third, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you know that this is a useful stat. What a line. What a line. If only we yeah, kept that, Sabrin. Yeah, that – oh, what a waste, eh? Holy – that would be a terror line. Oh, Kiefer Sherwood is eighth. Wait, 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 wait. We put Kelly, Logan Brown, Kiefer Don't Sherwood. That's the line. Sherwood? Oh, wait. Do we? No. Yes. Cole. Cole. We saw, in the AHL, they signed Cole Sherwood. Oh, I guarantee you. Look yes, there. Kiefer's with Colorado. Oh, my bad. Oh, Louis. Yeah, yeah. Damn. Off-bounds. Yeah. It's cool. It's got to be cool. We could just get McKinnon. He's 11th. I mean. <laughs> yeah, McKinnon for uh, for Tierney. Oh Brandstrom. That entire line is top 16. Landis Gog, McKinnon, Rantanen. Jesus. Well, this is not an Avs podcast. <laughs> Come on. Back on track. I'll, I'll bring out my Landis Gog jersey. Last, last topic. It's the most important one. Chris Tierney is going to be at camp. No. I know. I think, I mean, what did they, what did Gary Ox say? Like mild interest at the deadline and then no one bit because it's Chris Tierney. Why would you fight for that? And so he's going to play. I mean, I would honestly trade him for anything at this point. I think he's just taking up space. Yeah, I agreed. Put, I'd put anyone there. I would not, tra- I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know, Josh, what do you want to do with Chris Tierney? He just kind of exists. I mean, if he's on the team, I, just, I hope he's just the fourth line center. I don't yeah. know. I'd rather give if there's a third line center spot available at a you know if pinto's in the ahl i'd rather like colin white try and yeah. take his shot at center if shane pinto's in the nhl i'd rather him play third line center give him reps mm-hmm. i don't know what you know you look long term i think colin white still has a future you know as a third line defensive player I agree. and obviously shane pinto is a big piece of their future they think and i think you know he could be a good middle six center um Tierney's not in the long-term plans, so can't be. He only has one year left anyway, doesn't he? Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't mind. You know, playing him on the fourth line. He, he kills penalties as well. He's with uh, Nick Paul there. They, they spend a lot of time on the PK. Yeah, I don't think <laughs> yeah. that'd be uh, awful. But... but was he really getting that much time once Pinto and Formanton came in? I guess especially because if Watson comes back, also that's a PK spot for him. He was really good on the PK. He is like yeah. the shot which they love. So, what's the, so, so what are the four forwards you use? So you're saying Paul, Formington, Watson. Brown. Brown. Brown? Maybe Bobby Pinto. Brown. Brown. Like, no, but Brown was so good. You can't knock Oh, no, no, no. I agree. I agree. You put Paul and Brown together, and then you get That's, yeah. Pinto, Watson, or Formington. Formington, Watson. Yeah. Yeah. Teeny doesn't even have a special team spot. Exactly. So, yeah, so at that point, he becomes obsolete as a player. And it's a good amount of money for Melons to take off the books. What's he making? Three? Is he in the threes? I that's yeah, three point five million. Yeah, that's that's a lot Let of money. Let me see if he's making <laughs> more than his AAV. Let me check. Uh, got to be at the cap floor. With... Four point two million this year. Just saying. Ooh. So that's that's more. You know, he's he's getting paid more than his cap hit. We can't have that. <laughs> Not no, allowed. Cannot. Yeah. Um. Yeah. At that point, I just I just hope we just get anyone else. Really, it, it was just so funny at the end of the year how much like how many obvious like scoring attempts he was just fumbling like there's that one backhander that just sailed so far wide there's the empty net that he had where jake allen had to was it jake (laughs) allen i think or was it price i think it was against the habs but like their goalie was way out and then Tierney just had this wide open net waited a little bit the goalie like had time to come back in and just completely robbed him 
So, so I wonder if if Henry cleared waivers and they want to clear that spot, would you guys do a tyranny for Henrik one for one, no salary retained? That's no. I don't no? think I could do. I I think that if they because like a three, I don't know. I I think that I would still want some back. I I think I think I know he cleared waivers, but I think he's still a. An NHL player. I mean, he's he, fine he, defensively I still. I don't doubt like, that at all. But it's just that contract is three years of five million, and they can afford it this year. But then all of a sudden, you're gonna have to start paying guys like Chuck. You're gonna have to start paying guys. Like yeah. No, like, it's true because I'm not. I'm not worried about them hitting the cap. They're definitely not gonna hit the cap in the next yeah. three years. But I guess if the internal budget is lower, he still bites into the internal budget. So that still does. Mm-hmm. And Although it's also ten like team no trade list for Henrik. <laughs> Just <laughs> yeah. yeah. Chris Tierney do you have a no trade? No, okay, Chris Tierney. No, not. there's no chance. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. Yeah, he's making three point five. So yeah, he, I, I'm. I would not be surprised. You look at his Tierney's two year deal with Ottawa. It's two point eight last year, four point two this year. It would not surprise me. That was with a plan of trading him to save some of that. And I would not be that, against that. That salary. Yeah, but I'm just saying it's funny how they work this into deals because it wouldn't shock me. In the and it keeps happening. That was like the, the Dadnov trade that was part of it right because he was making only 3.5 million last year and then it started yeah going up, so. i think that was just an unfortunate turn of didn't yeah, work out and got rid of him out. but yeah well uh unless you guys have any final thoughts i think that's gonna be all the time that we have for today once again big thank you to chandler romeo who's our guest earlier in the show we wish him the best of luck be sure to follow his progress be sure to kate maybe catch a hamilton game when they're in town and see him um and yeah we uh we will see you guys next week it's getting closer man we're uh we're about a month away from like camp and stuff and then another month season starts here come the sends watch out watch out <laughs> they will certainly be four, going your four goal leads aren't safe toronto nope. no they're they're never safe not once will they ever be safe but uh we will see you guys around thank you so much for watching Jesus, I'm so tired. Thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you guys next time. Bye, guys.